Welcome to the Church of Rocky Peaks downloadable messages and podcast. Well, good morning. You look well rested. <laughs> it's good. Good. We see this every week, right? Listen, if I was in charge of the world, I would say every week you got an extra hour, like on Sunday. It's like just got a congressional thing. We just have a, a new bill that's passed. Every week we get that one extra hour. Uh, my name's Mike, and uh, I'm the lead pastor here at the Church at Rocky Peak. I'm just glad you're here. If this is your very first time, I want to welcome you. And uh, just uh, one special thing. If you open up your program, on the inside, you'll see that, that here at Rocky Peak, we have what we call a growth path, kind of our, our path to growth, uh, to, to grow personally as, as Christ followers. And the first step on that path, for, for those who are brand new here, is called the next step. And, and so once a month, uh, Lynn and I have at our house a special dessert. It's on a Saturday night. Just a chance for us to get to know those of you who are new, uh, kind of hear a little bit of your story, share a little bit of ours, help you get kind of plugged in, kind of understand how the church works and so you can get plugged in. And it's just a great time. People always come in sort of nervous, end as great friends, stay really late. I always tell people, hey, you can stay as late as you want, but I go to, 11, I, I go to bed at 11 o'clock. So... Uh, Anyway, if you're new, we'd love to have you. And the reason I'm mentioning that is that next Saturday night is our next Next Step dessert. And so you can sign up. There's still space for that. You can see there's sign up online uh, at rockypeak.org. Or you can just write on the back of your Connect card inside your program, uh, Next Step Dessert. And we'll, we'll, uh, we'll contact you and get you signed up for that. So I hope you can uh, join us for that. It's always a really fun time. And if nothing else, the desserts are amazing. So uh, even if you don't like the meeting, uh, the desserts are, are great. So... <laughs> Uh, anyway, we're going to go into our time of teaching now if you're ready to go. Are you all, all set? Okay, inside your program, if you're new, you'll, you may not know this, but there's a, a, a white and green message note sheet we use every week for our time of teaching. So I encourage you to, uh, to take that out, and then we're going to jump in. Let's, let's pray. <coughs> Father, thank you so much for what you're doing in our church and our lives and, and the way you are waking us up, and there's an awakening going on. And and we're coming alive to who you are and, and what you want to do in our life and this whole new life of freedom that you've called us to. And, and we just thank you what you're doing in this series. We thank you what you're doing in our lives. And so we come today as the next step in that, that journey. We pray that you'd be here. Be our teacher, God. Be with me. Uh, strengthen my voice. Strengthen um, uh, just, just my mind as I share. I pray that all of us, God, we'd be just kind of gathered around your word, listening to what your spirit would say to each of us. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Our story today starts a long time ago, and I, I know it was a long time ago because I was in my mid-20s, and, uh, and so I, I got a call, uh, it, was a, it was a November morning, and I got a call, it was kind of overcast outside, kind of cool, I got a call, took the phone outside, and it was the first time I'd heard from this good friend for a couple years, and uh, we'd become friends uh, back in college. Uh, I'd met him in college, he was the kind of leader of a major Christian ministry in the area, and we'd become good friends. And uh, about a year into our friendship, he had called me one Saturday morning, and uh, he, he was obviously very upset, and he asked if we could, we could meet. And so it was kind of a crisis situation, and, and so, uh, so my, myself, another guy, a third mutual friend, uh, the three of us kind of dropped everything we got together on that Saturday morning back when I was in college. And so when he came in, he, he shared part of his story that we didn't know. I'd, we both, we'd all been friends for about a year. But um, he shared part of his story that, that you know, here, here he was a, a Christian leader. He'd become a Christian when he was in high school. He was uh, a married guy, had a son, a young son. But that, uh, 
that he had struggled ever since high school with kind of same-sex attraction. And so over the years, he kind of resisted that temptation. But recently, he'd gone into Chicago. That's where he lived at the time. We got in, he got into Chicago, and he'd, he'd had a, kind of a one-night stand, kind of a, a fling, kind of a homosexual encounter. And so his heart was just breaking, and, and he was just, you know, just the, the shame, the remorse, the guilt, or whatever. And, and so we just reached out to him. We loved him, put our arms around, and we prayed with him. We just encouraged him, reminded him of God's love, his forgiveness. And, and we just kind of watched God begin to heal that situation. And so in the coming months, God continued to work worked to heal him. He shared the story with his, his wife, and, and he went on to, to, to be very effective in ministry for years to come. So, so now we're going to fast forward, and, and now I'm about 25 years old. I've been in California about two years, been, been graduated from college. Lynn and I are back in North San Diego County, where we were we're, we're, uh, originally from, and I haven't seen him in a couple of years. In the meantime, he's moved out to Pasadena with his family, and so he calls me on this November morning, and, and he says, can we get together? Something uh, amazing has happened in my life. God has just done something incredible. He showed me something. Uh, I, I just, I can't wait to share. I want to share it with you in person. Can I just come down today? Can I make the long drive down today? And it was obviously exciting. I was like, sure, I, I would love for that. I'll just drop everything. You just come on down. And so, uh, and so I waited uh, anxiously for him to get down there, and, and he comes to, to share with me what, what God has shown him. Well, uh, today we're, uh, we're continuing this series that we've been in for a long time now. For those of you who are brand new, not only want to welcome you, but it's a series that's called Freedom. And it's a study uh, of a letter from a man we call the Apostle Paul to uh, a group of churches that, are, uh, that he and his ministry partner, a man named Barnabas, had started just a short time before in the Roman province of Galatia. And so he called this letter the letter of Paul to the Galatians. And, and uh, Galatia is in modern-day Turkey. All right? so, so in this letter, uh, kind of the core message of the letter is what it means to be a follower of Jesus, and especially about the freedom that Christ has come to give us, the freedom from our past, the freedom to be everything that God created us to be, through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And for this current mini-series we're in that's called The Spirit, uh, what we've been learning is that the key to our freedom as Christ followers is learning to follow the leadership of the, the leadings, the promptings of the Holy Spirit in our life. As we follow them, we move into increasing freedom. And to help us understand what that looks like, in chapter 5 of Galatians, the Apostle Paul is laying out a couple long lists to describe, like, here's what it looks like when you're following the dark side, kind of your fallen human nature. Here's what it looks like when you're following the leadership of the Holy Spirit in, in your life. And so if you've been here, we've been working through this first long list that Paul calls the, the acts of the sinful nature, or, or the dark side. And so that's where we're going to pick it up today. We're actually going to look at the last couple items on this list, and then today, Paul's going to give a major kind of powerful, provocative warning about what it means to be a Christ follower. So if you have your Bibles, let's go to Galatians chapter 5, and we'll pick it up at verse 19. There's a section there in your note sheet called the, the warning part 1. So Galatians 5, we'll start at verse 19. And so Paul says, so the, so the acts of the sinful nature are what we've been calling the dark side. It's our fallen, natural, human nature. He says they're obvious. And he starts off with three examples um, that we called, as we talked about a few weeks ago, we called the destructive sexuality. And so his first three lists are, are sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. 
And then he moves, as we saw a few weeks ago, to, uh, to, to talk about the next two items in his list are what we call fallen spirituality. So he talks about idolatry. Remember we talked about that. It's, it's kind of make anything in our life the ultimate value other than God. And witchcraft. And, and Dave talked with you about that last weekend. And then he moves on to kind of, a, a kind of fallen relationships, what we call dysfunctional relationships. We, we learned that <clears throat> one of the marks of the dark side is we have a, this natural magnetic pull towards doing relationships the wrong way. And so he gives us eight examples. Uh, hatred, discord, kind of conflict, uh, jealousy, fits of rage, so uh, anger issues, selfish ambition, putting ourselves first, um, uh, dissensions and factions, so more conflict, and envy, all right? So that's where we've gotten so far. Now, today he adds a couple more. He says drunkenness, so he says kind of this, this the, the, as human beings, we have a natural pull, you see this in all societies, to, to kind of to want to be under the influence of, of other uh, kind of intoxicants, you know, drugs, alcohol, whatever. He says that's from the dark side. And then uh, orgies, uh, just kind of wild, wild parties. And then he says, and the like, Okay, so he's given us 15 examples of the dark side, and then he says, and the like. In other words, these 15 examples, it's not an exhaustive list of everything in the dark side. It's just like, here's some examples of what it looks like. There's other, I could give this sort of thing. And then he gives this amazing warning, just a really powerful warning in verse 21. He says, I warn you as I did before. So notice, it's not the first time he's given this warning. This was standard operating procedure for Paul when he, when he was planning churches to give them this warning, that, that those who live like this, and, and in the Greek, the, the, the literal term here is those who practice such things. Well, what things? Well, the things in the list, the 15 things. He says, th- those who live like this. Now, now he's not talking about like, um, that those who struggle with these things or those who occasionally fall into these things. But he says, th- those who live like this, they pre- this is their lifestyle. You look at their life, this is who they are. Okay, this is their rap, this is who they are. Those who live like this will not, and I want you to repeat the next words, will not what? They'll not inherit the kingdom of God, okay? Now, t- today's gonna be a little challenging for some of you, and so I wanna repeat these words together again, right? They will not inherit the kingdom of God. I want you to remember those words. They'll become important later on. So what he's saying here is, is he says, you know, part of being a, a Christ follower is following Christ. And so what he's saying is if you, if you claim to be a Christ follower, but you're not following Christ, that you're, you're really deceived and you're not part of the kingdom. Uh, you're, you're not going to go to heaven. You're not part of the movement of Jesus. You've not been born again. You're, you're not a Christ follower. Are you with me? You, you follow this? This is what he's saying here. Now, just to be really clear at the beginning, so there's no misunderstanding later, uh, like, like he's not saying that if you ever struggle with these 15 issues on the list, you know, you're, not, you're not part of the kingdom. He's not saying that. He's not saying if you, if you ever fall in one of these areas, you're, you're not part of the kingdom. He's not saying that because we know when we get into, into uh, Galatians 6, he tells us what to do if we do fall in one of these areas. Okay, so he's not saying that a Christ follower is perfect, has it all together. Uh, the life of a Christ follower is often three steps forward, two steps back. And so what happens when we fail uh, as true Christ followers? We're, we're, we're sorry for that, aren't we? And we and the Holy Spirit convicts us to that, and we go before God, we ask him to forgive us, we ask him to empower us, we get back on the trail, right? And that, that's part of the Christian life, that's, that's part of it. So that's not what he's saying. 
Uh, I, I like the way C.S. Lewis puts it there on your note sheet. He talks like in his life, one of the issues he often dealt with, he struggled with, one of his particular temptations, was uh, with uh, 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 anger. And so he uses this analogy. He says, uh, I, know about, I know all about the despair of overcoming chronic temptation. No amount of falls will really undo us, you know, as Christ followers, if we keep picking ourselves up each time. We shall, of course, be very muddy and tattered children by the time we reach home. But the, but the bathrooms are all ready, the towels put out, the clean clothes are in the airing cupboard. The only fatal thing is to lose one's temper and then give up. It's when we notice the dirt that, that God is most present in us. It's the very sign of his presence. Okay? And, and so we're clear on this, right? As Christ followers, we're not perfect. We're not saying that at all. But what, what Paul is saying is that if you think you're a follower of Jesus and you're going to live in blatant disobedience, you've got something else coming. That's not the way it works, right? And so uh, apparently what, at this point what we learn is that in the churches of Galatia, there is actually two major false teachings going on at this time. The first one is what we've been focused on up to this point in the letter of the Galatians. And, and we've seen it many, many times. There was these false Jewish teachers. They'd come in and they said it's not good enough just to believe in Jesus, his death and resurrection for your forgiveness of sins to be right with God. In order to be right with God, you, you have to uh, follow all the Old Testament rules and rituals and religion. You need to be circumcised, right? And so we've seen that all through. The, that's one of the false teachings. Now we're hearing false teaching number two. And apparently there were some false teachers going on, uh, the teaching in the churches of Galatia that's saying because you've come to Christ and it's not based on your performance, it's based on what Christ has done, therefore it doesn't matter what you do. And, and so you can live, you can, you can pursue all the old ways and it's okay, God's good with this. It really, you know, God, it doesn't really matter. And that's what Paul's addressing. He says, it does matter if you think that you're gonna pursue the dark side and you're part of a ki the kingdom, you've got another thing coming. Now, I think this is a very important warning for us B because I think in our country, I can't speak for the whole world, but in our country, I, I think there, there's a lot of false understanding. There, there's a lot of people who see themselves as a follower of Jesus, as a Christian, as part of the kingdom, as going to heaven, who are going to be wrong, right? Like, like Jesus said in Matthew 7, he said, many will come to me in that last day, and they will say, Lord, Lord, and I will say to you, depart from me, because I never uh, knew you because you did not do the will of my Father. So, so somehow they, they think they're a follower of Jesus because they call him Lord, but the reality is they're not following him as their Lord, and Jesus says, you're, you're deceived. And, and I think that even in, in uh, you know, that there's you know, obvious situations, we understand this. Someone grows up in a Christian home, but then they kick the traces, but, but they see themselves as a Christ follower because that's the way they were raised. Or someone sees themselves as a Christ follower because they believe that Christianity is probably true. I mean, they're a Christian, they're not, not a Muslim, they're not something else, right? Or, or there's someone that, well, I, they, they see themselves as a Christ because they go to church occasionally, or they say certain prayers, or they give certain money, certain religious acts. But here's one that really touches close to home for, for many of us here, is that in the evangelical movement, Bible-believing Christians, we've, we've often kind of given the impression that if there's ever been a point in your life where you've said the sinner's prayer, then you're in. 
right? And so you're, you're 12 years old and you went to a junior high camp and you went forward in a meeting and you prayed the sinner's prayer. You, you went to a Billy Graham crusade in 1963 and, and you gave your life uh, to Christ. You went to a harvest uh, crusade and you prayed to receive Christ at, at some point in your life. Now you've lived like hell ever since then, but, but I said the prayer, right? And so, and so then we have a funeral and we go, you know, they lived like hell, but you know, back in 42, they, they prayed the sinner's prayer. And so, you know, I guess they're it, Right? And, and so what, what Paul is saying is don't be deceived on this. Don't be deceived on this, that if someone claims to be a follower of Jesus, they need to be following. And if they're not following, then they're not a follower. They're not part of, of the kingdom. And, and I think it's such an important teaching for us to grasp hold on as a church as we unleash the movement of Jesus here, a passion of Christ for us, it's we, we need to understand what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? And so that's, that's really our topic today. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? And we're going to get at this a couple ways. One of the ways we're going to get at it is I want to start by looking at some other New Testament warnings that are very similar to the one we just uh, we just read. Now, now we can look at warnings from the Apostle John. We can look at warnings from Peter. We can look at warnings from many different authors. But I've chosen it. We're just going to focus on a couple warnings from the Apostle Paul that are extremely similar to this warning because I think they'll help us understand, get clear on what he's saying. All right? So there in your note sheet, uh, you have a section. This is called The Warnings, part two, and, and we're going to just look at a couple of these. I want you to uh, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Now, while you're turning there, let me, uh, let me set the stage. Uh, the, the, the church of Corinth was made up of Christ followers who had come out of an extremely pagan uh, background. The, the, uh, Corinth, uh, Corinth had a worldwide reputation for, for sin, corruption in, their, in the ancient world. Uh, Corinth was like the Amsterdam of its day. All right. So, um, in fact, there was actually a verb that, that, that was created uh, called to, Corinth, uh, to Corinthianize. It was in the Greek, it was to Corinthianize. And, and what that verb means is to have illicit sex. That, that's how bad that Corinth was. It's like, oh, you just Corinth someone, you know, see? So that, that's the idea. Oh, you just had some Corinth, you know. And so it, it, was just, it was just kind of a wild place. So these people, they come out of this wild culture. They come in to be Christ followers. The Holy Spirit comes in their life. He begins to change them from the inside out. It's in pretty profound ways. And they begin to change. But there are some of the people in the church there who are still pursuing their old fallen ways. And they were actually defending it. And, and what they were saying is that, you know, it's okay to, to uh, you know, because one day our bodies are, are going to perish anyway. And so it doesn't really matter what we do with our bodies. It's what, what's important is our spiritual connection with God. We're forgiven and so on. What we do with our bodies doesn't matter. So if we want to go and do idol worship and, and eat the, the sacrifices there, if we want to go and have sex with the, uh, the, the prostitutes, prostitutes, the temple prostitutes like we used to do. We're all good with that. And so Paul is speaking into that, okay? He's going to give some clarifying, he's going to have a clarifying, what I call a clarifying conversation with them. And so here we go in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He says in verse 9, do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Now, the wicked will not what? Inherit the kingdom of God. Does that sound familiar, right? From Galatians 5, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, 1 Corinthians 6, he says, the wicked will not 
inherit the kingdom. Now, does that, does that, uh, uh, does that kind of strike you as a little odd? Just a statement? Like, that's a pretty bold statement. The wicked will not inherit the kingdom. Well, aren't there some exceptions, Paul? Aren't you a little strong? No. No, the wicked will not inherit. Now, to be clear, and he'll clarify this in a minute, he's not talking about those of us who are wicked in our past, okay? He's not talking about that because if, if he was talking about that, at least half of us wouldn't be here, right? right? So he's not talking about, like, Jesus never cares where you're coming from in your life. He only cares where you're going. And, and so Paul's not talking, what he's saying is, like, if you think you can live a wicked life and be part of the movement of Jesus, you're deceived. That's what he's saying. In fact, that's what he says exactly next. Verse as he goes on, do not be what? Deceived. Let's, let's say it again. Do not be deceived. deceived. Yeah, don't be deceived. And so when the Apostle Paul says don't be deceived, I mean, every one of us in the room need to be sitting up on our seats. We're leaning forward. There should be like uh, the, the, the warning lights on the dashboard of our spiritual life should begin to be fl- flashing. Like something, you know, it's like driving down the road, big warning lights are going on. What are they telling you? Like, pay attention, you, you could have an accident here. And, and that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, pay attention, I'm about to tell you something extremely important. And so when Paul says, don't be deceived, he never says, don't be deceived when there's no danger of being deceived. He only says, don't be deceived when it's very possible. And what was happening in their church was that they were being deceived. That they thought it was okay to be wicked and be in the kingdom. He says it's not possible. Now, just to make sure we understand what he means by being wicked, he's going to give us some examples. And so he says, so neither the sexually immoral, note how, note this in the New Testament, usually when uh, kind of sinless are laid out, it usually starts with sexual morality. Kind of a first step of following Jesus is in that area. So neither the sexually immoral nor idolaters, Remember, that was in our list in Galatians, right? Our fourth item in, putting, making something else ultimate in our life. And now he begins to break down sexual immorality and kind of, kind of give us some illustrations. Nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes. Remember, uh, Corinth was a wild place. Prostitution, male, female, boy of life. Very, very common. Uh, nor homosexual offenders. Okay, so homosexuality. Nor thieves. So it's not just sexual sin. He's going to start breaking off into other sin. Nor thieves, nor the greedy nor drunkards, and we just saw that in the, the Galatians 5 passage, nor slanderers, kind of gripping off people with our, our language, nor swindlers will what? Inherit the kingdom of God. Can we say it again? Inherit the kingdom of God. Are, are, you, are you kind of catching a theme here? So Galatians 5, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Galatians 6, 9, the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God. A couple of verses later, after striving the wicked, the wicked, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now he goes on to clarify. Verse 11. And that is what some of you, what? Were. were. That, that's who you were. That's who you came from. So, so it has nothing to do with, with your past. It's, it's not what he's talking about. He's talking about our future, where we're going as, as Christ's followers. He says, but you were washed. You know, you came to Christ. You were washed. You were, what's the next word? sanctified. Now, please underline that word. We're going to come back to that word later on. But for right now, sanctified just means to be purified. It means to be changed. Okay? It means to be transformed. Something happened in your life. 
uh, in, in the Greek, the word sanctify and the word holy are basically the same word. Okay, so I just don't use the word holy a lot uh, because in our culture that just sounds real churchy and like what does that even mean, you know? But it needs to be purified, to be made right, to be made uh, clean, pure, like a, like a stream that's crystal clear, no longer polluted. That's holy, okay? And so, and then you were, so you were sanctified and then you were, you were what? You were, what's the next one? You are justified. Underline that word. Another very important word. We'll come back to it later. And, and just for now, uh, the word justified has to do with being made right with God through the death of Christ. And he says, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. It's a supernatural price. This is who you were. You were wicked, right? But you came to Christ. You were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of Christ by the Holy Spirit. Supernaturally, God came into your life and changed you, okay? So don't be deceived. Don't be deceived to think that, that you can go back to your wicked lifestyle and be in the kingdom. Don't, don't be deceived. Okay, so the second time he's given that warning. Now, let's turn. The next passage is to the right, uh, Ephesians chapter 5. Just want to look at one more, just as an example. Ephesians chapter 5. And what I want you to catch here is how, how predominant this warning is. Um, we've saw it in Galatians. We see it in Corinthians. We see it in Ephesians. This is like standard New Testament teaching of what it means to be a Christ follower. And so in Ephesians 5, uh, verse 3, he says, Among you... He is Christ's followers, 5-3. <clears throat> uh, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality. Okay, not even a hint in your church. We're not messing around with this. There's not even a hint of it. Um, or of any kind of impurity or of greed. Notice greed makes the list again like 1 Corinthians 6. Because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be any obscenity or foolish talk or coarse joking. So there should be purity not only in our bodies but in our speech. Right? We're, we're not, we're not uh, going around telling dirty jokes. We're not, we're not using filthy speech. We're not, we're not doing double entendres. We're not using suggestive humor. We're not flirting around with people. We're not flirting with someone who's not our spouse. And, 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 uh, and using suggestive things and you know, that kind of thing. That, that's not who we are. Okay? Which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. And then he comes, he makes, here's this big statement. For this you can be sure, that no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man is an idolater. Remember what we learned, idolatry, making something the ultimate. And so here's an example. One of the chief uh, competitors for God in our life is money and possessions. And so he just he goes back and says, that's really a form of idolatry. So this you mean sure, verse 5, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man's an idolater, has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. You see that? Okay, now this is the fourth time he said that. It's the fourth time he said this, that in one way or another, the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God. And don't be deceived. In fact, that's what he says next, verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words. So, so in other words, there will be people that come into your life and say, hey, it's really okay to pursue the dark side. You're forgiven. You have a relationship with God. It's really, it's forgiven. This is no big deal. You can ask God to forgive you later, whatever. There's people that are going to come in your life and say that, it's, that God is good with this. It's okay to be a follower of Jesus and to pursue the dark side. And he says, let no one deceive you with empty words. Hey, they're empty. And he said, for because of such things, God's what? Wrath. Let's say it together. God's what? Wrath. Wrath. This is a word we don't use a lot, right? We're kind of politically correct. But 
uh, where God's wrath, his anger, his judgment, he says, uh, it, it comes on those who are disobedient. So, so that part of that's happening now and natural consequences of, of sin, God's wrath is poured out. Part of that comes when Jesus comes back. But he says, hey, don't be deceived on this. Uh, if you are pursuing a wicked life, what, what's coming for you is not the kingdom. What's coming for you is the wrath of God, okay? And, and so Paul lays this out really clearly. Now, now, why does he keep teaching this in so many places? Because he knows it's possible to be deceived. It's possible for us to deceive ourselves. It's possible for someone to think they're a follower of Jesus, they're going to heaven when they aren't. And so he's laying it out. What does it look like to be a, what does it mean to be a Christ follower? You know, we, we started the day with this story of this, this friend of mine. And so, you know, I share with you how, how we become friends, how he, uh, he uh, had this kind of fall. Uh, his particular issue was, was homosexuality. And the only reason I, I share the story is because that's the story. You know, it's just my life. Um, it, his fault, it could have been some other issue, right? And we'll talk more about that later. But, but his particular dark side that he wrestled with was, was homosexuality. And so he had had this fall. He comes to us. We love him. We embrace him. We, we encourage him. We help him heal. He does heal. He, he shares with his wife. They, they're, they're on a new journey. She's now in the loop. Uh, he goes on to effective ministry for several years. And now, several years later, I'm back in California. That's, that Saturday morning, whatever it is, I get the phone call November morning. It's overcast. I'll still remember. It's, it's amazing. I never remember anything, but I remember this. And, and so I can remember where I was outside of our apartment, walking out, talking for about four or five minutes. And so he wants to come down. He's just so excited about what God has shared. And so, so I can't wait, you know, to get, like, what's he going to share? What's God done in his life? It's awesome, you know. So, so he pulls up, and we go outside, and we begin to talk. He says, Mike, I want to be the first to tell you. I want to be the first to tell you that, that we've had it wrong all these years. That, that, uh, that homosexuality is really, like, God's not against homosexuality, uh, he's, he's against promiscuous homosexuality. That as long as it's monogamous homosexuality, God's good with this. And, and God showed me that this is how he's created me, and, and I need to accept this and move into new freedom. And so I'm going to be leaving my wife. I'm going to be leaving my teenage son. I'm going to be pursuing this. And, and, and I want to be the first to tell you about the freedom that God has given us in, in Christ. And so... So as we shared with one another, of course, my heart's breaking, and I'm like, that's just crazy. That's not what the Bible teaches. And he's trying to pick a verse, weird verse here and a weird verse there. It's like, that is not, like, that is not matching up. That's not. And, and so you, you may have heard this kind of reasoning before, and so he's kind of sharing this with me, and my, my heart's just breaking. Now, now, what's happened in his life? What's happened? He's been deceived, right? He, he's been deceived that he can be a follower of Jesus, and pursue what the Bible clearly defines as dark side, okay? Now, here's what I want you to catch. This is not a message about homosexuality. I mean, I've got no ax to grind here. That's just a story of what happened. It, it could be any dark side issue where someone says, hey, uh, you know, God's good with this. I've got it kind of worked out with God. He and I have an understanding that, that I, I'm close with him and 
yeah, I'm, I'm leaving my wife. Uh, I'm going to pursue this other relationship with, the, with this, this woman because she, she makes me happy. And, and, you know, God wants me to be happy. And, and so he's just kind of shown me that this is, he's really, he's led this woman in my life. It's amazing how we met. It's just like so coincidental. And obviously God did it, you know. I'm not making it up. Like these are real stories, right? Uh, someone else is like, well, I've got a thing worked out with God. I know he says to forgive but this person hurt me so badly, and, and God and I have got this worked out. It's one person I don't need to, right? It's like, like it's, he's good because as long as I forgive the rest, we've got this deal between me and God, right? And, and so you could go down the line. And so what happens is that we come to a place where we, we kind of justify our dark side, and then we, we somehow think that we're followers of Jesus. Now, here's the thing. Interesting thing that happened with him is that he began down that path claiming that God was with him and God had shown him, and I'm a follower of Jesus more than ever, and he showed me freedom. If you meet him this day, he no longer believes in Jesus at all. He has denied Christ completely. Now what's happened? When you pursue the dark side, you lose your spiritual perception. Now here, here's the question. You see, so if someone were to ask me, well, do you think it's possible for him to come back to the Lord? I'd say absolutely. Because, because Jesus doesn't care where we've been. He only cares where we're going. And if we come back and we're truly repentant and ready to leave the past behind, he, he will receive him back. That's not the problem. Here's the problem. The problem, when, when someone walks away from Jesus and says, I'm going to pursue the dark side and it's okay, I'll ask him to forgive me later. Here's the problem. The problem is that later often never comes. Because when you pursue the dark side, you change. And your heart changes. And you become hard to God. And they make him a day. You you don't want a relationship with Jesus. You don't even believe in Jesus anymore. You see it as a phase you are going through. You reinterpret the past. Are you with me? This is how it works. Now, it's an interesting discussion because when I share a story like this, I'm sure some of you are thinking, well, what happened with him? And here's a guy who came to Christ in high school. He's a major Christian leader, touched hundreds and thousands of lives for Christ. And she asked the question, so, so, so like, was he, was he never really a believer? Or, or was he truly a Christian? And then he, he lost that relationship? He walked away from Christ? And, and did, did he lose that? And how does that work out? And I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll leave that question to people who care. For me, the bottom line is this, that what Paul is saying is that whether he once was and then lost it, or whether he never was and just fooled everyone, including himself, the bottom line is he's not a believer now, right? That's, that's the bottom line. The bottom line And what Paul wants us to understand, if you think you're a follower of Jesus and you're pursuing the dark side, you're living in self-deception. The wicked will not inherit the kingdom. So so it really raises this issue for us. Well, well, what does it mean to be a Christ follower then? And and what I want to do is in the time we have left, I want to focus there in your note sheet there's, there's a section called Following Christ, Two Important Words. 
And, and what I want to do, just to get at this, is I want to give you two words that I think kind of summarize the whole message of Galatians of what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus. And, and they're two theological words. And, and if, you've, if you've been here at Rocky Peak any length of time at all, you know that we don't use a lot of theological words here. And, and the reason is not that we don't love theology. I love theology. I'm just so committed to taking the truth of Jesus and putting it in the language of today so we can all take it, receive it, and follow it, right? But, but every once in a while, there's a couple words that, may, that, might, that are helpful to us to understand uh, some important spiritual truth. And I think this will be helpful today. So the first word is this. And this is one we've used before in this series in Galatians. The first word is the word justification. And it refers to the point of restoration. Justification is the word describe this point where our relationship with God is restored. So, so we saw this word earlier today in 1 Corinthians 6. We talked about these, these people that had come out of this wild background and what God had done in the life. In fact, there in your note sheet, I printed the verse, 1 Corinthians 6. Um, but you were washed, he says, you were washed, you were sanctified, you were what? You were justified. Okay, so, so justified is the word the New Testament uses to describe how, how God brought a rebel race back to himself. Like how the relationship that was once broken, how it got restored. Through the, through the cross and the death of Christ, what we call that justification. And so, for example, there in your notes, you, I, for, for those of you who are here throughout the series, you may remember this. We had a whole message called justification back in chapter 2 of Galatians. And here's the, the passage we were looking at, 2.16. Paul says, we know that a man is not justified or it's not made right with God, um, by observing the law. And so this is what we've learned through Galatians, that we're not made right, made right with God through our obedience. We're not made right with God through our ritual. We're not through, through keeping of the commandments. Um, he says, um, but by faith in Jesus Christ, and particularly in faith of his death and resurrection. So, so we too, we put our faith in Christ so that we may be what? Justified, made right with God by faith in Christ. And, and again, not by observing the law, uh, because by observing the law, no one will be Justified, okay? And so, so, so here's the, the, the New Testament teaching of justification is, is we're all part of the fallen race. We've rebelled against the creator and the king. We, we, we've each in our own way told God to take a flying leap. We, we've each said, I want to be my own God. I don't want you to be God. We've gone our own way. We've rebelled against it. We've committed high treason against the king and our creator. And, and the penalty for high treason is death. And so, but, but here's God, he loves us in spite of our rebellion. He sends his son to take the punishment for our treason. And he takes the sentence we deserve. And our sentence, our sin is placed on him on the cross. And the wrath of God that we deserve is taken by Christ. And he's our substitute. And so we are justified, made right with God. The relationship is restored and it has nothing to do with our performance or our ritual. Or it's, it's about Christ and our faith in Christ. Now, the point is that justification happens in a point in time. It's a point in time experience. 
In other words, some of you remember when you came to Christ. And maybe you were praying on a football field. Maybe you were uh, in, a, in a car. Maybe you were kneeling down by your bed. Maybe it was in a church service. But there's a point in your life where you came to the point, and that's the word point, you came to the point where you realized that, that Jesus had died for you to give you life, and, and you believed in that, and, and it made sense to you, and you trusted in Christ. And at that point in your life, you crossed over an invisible line called justification. And you, your relationship with God was restored supernaturally through the death of Christ. Okay? So that's so, so justification describes a point in time experience. Now, some of you may remember the exact point when you ask Christ into your life. Others of you may have grown up in a Christian home or it was a result of a long spiritual journey. And so you're not sure exactly what point you crossed over, but that doesn't really matter. The point is, is there was a point where you, you stopped trusting in yourself and you started trusting in Christ. And at that point, you were justified and made right with God, not through ritual, not through performance, through the death of Jesus, and your relationship with God was restored. Right? We call that justification. So Paul says in Romans 5, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have what? Peace with God. The relationship has been restored. So that's justification. So one way to describe a Christ follower, and this is the way we've often described it, one way to describe a Christ follower is someone who has placed their trust in Christ at a point in time and they've been justified. And, and that's a New Testament way of describing a Christ follower. And it's part of the package, right? But there's a second word that's equally as important to describe a Christ follower. And we need both words. And, and the second word is the word sanctification. And of course, we saw this in that verse, 1 Corinthians 6, you were washed, you were sanctified, right? So, so sanctify, uh, Sanctified refers to this process of transformation that, that we, we start in this process when we come to Christ and are justified. So where, where justification is a point in time, uh, sanctification is a process, an ongoing process. It starts at the moment of justification Right? When, when the Holy Spirit comes into our life, but then it, it continues from that point on. So the moment that you come to trust in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into your life, you're justified, you receive the Holy Spirit, he begins to change you from the inside out. And he brings with him the DNA of Jesus. And he begins to impart to you supernaturally new desires, new passions, new standards, new perspectives, new values, new behaviors, new priorities, and it's supernatural. And, and so you've, you've trusted in Christ for justification. As a result of that, the spirit of his son, Galatians 4 says, the spirit of his son is imparted to your life, and you start the process of sanctification. And that process will continue until you go to be with the Lord, until Jesus comes back. And the, the bottom line end of the process, the goal is that you would become like Jesus. Okay? So the, the, the whole goal of the transformation is that you become Jesus. You learn to think like him. <clears throat> you, you, you'd share his feeling. You'd, you'd think like him. You'd feel like him. You would, uh, you would act like him. Your priorities would be like that. He would transform you from the inside out so you could be like, this is what it means to be a Christian. 
okay? And so in Galatians 5, which has been our text the last few weeks, in theological terms, it, it's, it's a passage about sanctification. And this is what we've been learning, that when you came, became a Christian, the Holy Spirit came into your life, he began to transform you, and what have we been, we've been, uh, what have we been learning? That the key to our freedom is learning to follow the promptings and leading of the Holy Spirit, and to turn away from the dark side. And as we do, we will experience the freedom that Jesus died to give us, and we will be transformed and we'll become like Christ. That is sanctification. So, so Galatians 5, the second half, is all about sanctification. Now, so, so one way to describe a Christ follower is someone who has gone through the point of justification, but the other way to describe a Christ follower is someone who's entered the process of sanctification. So here's what Paul's saying in this warning in, in chapter 5 and verse 21 of Galatians. What he's saying in the warning is if you claim to be a Christ follower, you claim to be justified, but they're not going through a process of transformation, you're not a Christ follower, you see? Because if you've been justified, you've received the Holy Spirit, new desires, new, you may fail, but you're gonna feel horrible about it. You're gonna repent, you're gonna get back on track. If you claim to be justified, but you're not in a process of transformation that you're deceived. You see, there, there is no, uh, the, the, there, there's no way that you can be a, a Christ follower, be justified, have justification without sanctification. These things go together. Now, uh, in, the, um, uh, in the New Testament, Paul often will talk about this process of sanctification, how it works. So I just want to look quickly at a couple passages that I think can be very helpful for us. The first one is in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And it's there in your note sheet. And so Paul's talking about this process of transformation. So here's how he says this. Now the Lord is the Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit is the Lord, kind of Trinitarian teaching. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. And so that's what we've been learning all through Galatians, right? When you follow the Spirit, he'll lead you to freedom. Now, and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory. Now, he's using an Old Testament analogy uh, that he talks about in 2 Corinthians 3. You may remember the story. When, when Moses went up to meet with God on Mount Sinai to receive the law, do you remember when he came down how his face was shining? It was full of glory. And so because of that, he put a veil over his face for two reasons. One, to protect the people from the glare, but the other to, to kind of hide from them the fact that this glory was uh, fading because he found that when he was shining, they were much more receptive to his teaching, right? So when it fade, they began to get more disobedient. So he would put this veil over his face just so, so, so that they would like, they, they, hey, last time I saw him, he was shining, you know, he better not mess. Um, and and so, so Paul says, he's using his analogy, he says in the Old Testament, what, what, what the law was given, there was a temporary glory. But now as Christ followers, we, we receive the Holy Spirit. We, we get this clear shot at Jesus through the Holy Spirit, and, and we're taking in the glory, and we're not fading, we're getting stronger. Okay, the glory's growing. And so he goes on, and he says, um, so we, with unveiled faces, we reflect the Lord's glory, and we're being, what's the word? We're being transformed, okay? We're being changed, and we're being transformed into his what? Likeness. So the whole goal uh, of this process is to become like him. 
with ever-increasing glory. It's an ongoing process. Like, like if you're not like more like Jesus now than you were five years ago, something is seriously wrong in your life, okay? Now, now I don't know what it is that's wrong. I don't know if there's bad teaching, if there's been disobedience. I don't know what the story is. But if you're not more like Jesus, if you're not more compassionate now, if you're not more loving now, if you're not more patient now, if you don't have a bigger heart for the world now, if you don't care about people more now, if you're not kind of more, kind of gotten rid of the crud in your life now, if you're not doing relationships in a more healthy, something is wrong. Because you are designed to be amazing. You are called to be amazing. You are, you are called to be like Jesus. And, and trust me, the Holy Spirit's on the job. Right? He's doing his part. So something is wrong. And, so, and he goes on and he says, so with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So what he's describing here is this process of transformation, this process of sanctification. Now, here's the beautiful thing. The beautiful thing about this process is you don't have to keep track of this. Like, like this process of transformation, this process of sanctification, this is not your job responsibility. This is not your primary, like, like the Holy Spirit has an agenda for your life. He knows exactly where you need to change. And he's on the job. Like, you don't have to figure this out. You don't have to, like, figure out we're all messed up. He already knows, okay? And he's got a plan to restore you and to heal you and to change you. And so that's what he says. It says, this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Now, Paul makes this really clear in another passage in the New Testament in 1 Thessalonians 5. It's there in your note sheet. He's writing to some brand new Christ followers. These are people who have only been Christians a few weeks or maybe a few months. And, and he's at the end of his letter, and he says, may the Lord himself, may God himself, the God of peace, may he what? Sanctify you. Okay, so there's our word. And may he sanctify you through and through. In other words, thoroughly, every part of your life transform you. So may your whole spirit, soul, and body, kind of every part of you, your mind, your emotions, your body, every part of you, be kept blameless at the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. So God's at work in your life. Holy Spirit's got a plan for your life. He's working to thoroughly transform you so that when Jesus comes back, you will be everything he wants you to be. Okay, that's the teaching. And then he says something amazing. He says, the one who calls you is faithful, and he will what? Do it. Do it. Did you catch it? He will what? Do it. Do it. Are, are you with me in this? When you became a, a Christ follower and you were justified, you gave your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit started this process of transformation. He's in your life. He's leading your life. He's on the job. He's working to transform you through and through body, soul, and spirit, so you can be blameless at the day of Jesus, and he will do it, right? He is on the job. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to wonder whether God has a plan for your life. You don't, no, he has primary responsibility for your transformation. Now, this is beautiful. You're not responsible to change yourself, right? The Holy Spirit's job is to change you. Now, the question is, do we have any responsibility? And I would say, yes, we have a secondary responsibility. Not primary, but secondary. So what's our responsibility in this transformation process? Our responsibility is to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Exactly what Paul has been saying in Galatians chapter 5. Remember he said, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the fallen nature. 
Chapter 5, later on, he says, since you are alive by the Spirit, keep in step by the Spirit. So our job is to follow the Spirit. So here's the question for us today. The question for your life is, are you willing to follow? The, the question is not whether the Holy Spirit will lead you. The question is, will you follow his leading? So for the last four weeks, we've been delving into this first list, the, the, the acts of sinful nature. And so Paul says, let me, let me be clear with you. Here's how to figure out when the Holy Spirit's leading you. Here's how to figure out when your old fallen nature is leading you. So is, for example, he's talked to us about sexual, kind of destructive sexuality. He says, when there's destructive sexuality, that's not the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's your old side. Uh, he talked to us about, um, uh, about fallen spirituality. Hey, when, when there's something in your life that's becoming your ultimate value in life, more important than God, idolatry, that, that's not of God. When, like when you're dabbling in witchcraft, that's not of the Holy Spirit. Whatever supernatural is going on, it's not of the Holy Spirit. Relationally, says when you're being pulled towards things like hatred, when you're being pulled towards jealousy, when you're being pulled towards selfish ambition, putting yourself first, when, when you're being pulled towards envy and, and conflict and discord, that's not the Holy Spirit. And so what he's been doing, he's been helping us, giving us a grid to, to, to learn how to listen to the Holy Spirit. Like, like okay, okay what, what's the Spirit saying? Here's the grid. Let's kind of help to learn to identify when the Spirit's leading, when he's not. Okay? So he's been laying this out. So the question is now for us, will we follow? That's the question. Okay, so the Holy Spirit is going to do exactly what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 3. The Holy Spirit is going to show you more of Jesus. He's going to reveal more of who Jesus is. He's going to be revealing to you increasingly who you are. He's going to be showing you areas you need to grow. He's going to be teaching you what's right and good and true. And it's going to be ongoing and you're going to see it. Now the question is, when he shows you that, will you follow? Okay, so for example, uh, the, the Holy Spirit begins to speak into your life and, and say, hey, you know the, those, those magazines that you have, you know, you've kind of saved all these years back in the, the kind of the back closet, you know, that no one else sees or whatever. Uh, we need to do some spring cleaning. And the Holy Spirit just begins to show you that. Um, the Holy Spirit begins to show you, you know what, some of the, the things you're watching, um, some of the things you're reading in your life, it's like we, we need to let go of those things so you can move in the freedom that you have. Holy Spirit begins to come to you and says, you know, um, th this, this issue of money, this issue of possessions, this has really like become an idol in your life. It's, it's, it's greed. It's, it's an idol. And we need to release. And I, here's what I want you to do. I want you to start giving some of that away. Or I, I want you to start making different priorities in, in how you handle that. The Holy Spirit comes to you and says, you know, that, that person that, that hurts you, that ex-spouse or that mom or that brother or that sister or that friend who, who betrayed you, and all these years you've been holding on to that and you've been, you've been kind of bitter about that, we need to let that go so you can move into the freedom of the future that, that, that I've got for you. And the Holy Spirit comes and he begins to say, uh, uh, hey, in, in this life, this hatred that you have towards this race, you have this racial thing going on here. And you, and you just have a prejudice towards this. Kind of, and, and as my follower, you need to release that. And the Holy Spirit begins to come. He begins to talk to some of you husbands say, the way you talk to your wife, the, the way you just spoke to her, that harshness in your voice, the, the way you just talk to your children, the way you've responded to that, the, the way that you put yourself first at work and it's all about you and rising to the top and you don't care who you're trampling over. And the Holy Spirit begins to come and gradually, and he's so gentle, isn't he? he he's very gentle, unless we won't listen. And then he'll pull out the sledgehammer, but 
But, and it's like you're, you're in the hospital bed. How did I get here? You know, uh, like maybe I'm supposed to be learning something. Uh, okay, but, but so, so he's often gentle, at least at the beginning. And he begins to speak to us. And he begins to call to us. And the question, see, is will we listen? Or do we defend and deny the dark side? We defend our anger. We deny our idolatry. We hold on to our bigotry. You see? And if we will receive and if we will follow, the process of transformation continues and we move into the freedom that God has for us. So, so Paul says, uh, summarizes teaching, Paul says, what does it mean to be a Christ follower? It's someone who's at a point in time as Christ in their life, they've, they've crossed over this line of justification. But it's also someone that as a result of that, they've entered into this process of transformation. A- and what he's saying is, if you think that you have been justified but you're not in the process of being sanctified, you're deceived. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. While our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I want to give you just a couple minutes to respond to this, both if you're a Christ follower or not yet. And if you're here today and you're not yet a Christ follower, and maybe you've never really understood the message of, of Jesus, that, that he came to die for you in your place to take the punishment you deserve, so that you can be restored to God. And if today God is speaking to you and calling to you and you want to come home and you, and you want to give your life to Christ and be forgiven and start this process of transformation, then I'm going to pray a very simple prayer right now. And if it expresses a desire of your heart, I just encourage you to pray it along with me in the quietness of your own mind. God will hear you and he will respond. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my life I ask you to forgive me for all my rebellion and all I've done that's wrong. I ask you to wash it all away. I ask you to give me a new start in life, to send your spirit into my life, begin to transform me, teach me how to follow you, and to save a spot in the next life in the kingdom of God for me. Our heads bowed and our eyes are closed. If you just uh, prayed that prayer, I'd love to, to share that. I'd love to know about that. And so in a few minutes, we're going to be taking our offering. And inside your program is a little card called the Connect Card. If you just write me a quick note that says, Mike, I prayed the prayer. Uh, I asked Christ in my life. Something like that. I'll know what you mean. And then this week, I'll send you a letter with some just some suggested steps in your, your new relationship with God. And one of the most important is, to, to, is the step of baptism. We'll send you a CD about that. And talk to you about following Christ in that way from the first step of obedience. Our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed. I want to talk to those of you, my brothers and sisters, that, that you are a follower of Christ. You know that you're justified. There was a point in time. You know that. He, you know the Holy Spirit came into your life and he changed you and, and you're in that process. And yet, if you're honest with yourself, you realize that you've been playing a little fast and loose with the Holy Spirit. You've not really been receptive. Maybe it's been outright disobedience. Maybe it's just been neglect. But you're kind of far from God and you're, you're, you're sensing God calling you home and to re-engage in this process of transformation so you can be changed. And there's a hunger in your heart today just, just to know Christ and to love him and to grow to be like him and to get back on track. I just want to give you a couple moments in, in the quietness of this, this moment to go before God
Just apologize for what you've done. Ask him to forgive you, to, to reignite those flames, to send his Holy Spirit to lead you. So just in the quietness of this moment, I want to give you just this moment to, to go before him. Lord, we thank you for your death and your resurrection that sets us free to be all that we can be, all that we are created to be. God, may we be a church that embraces everything you have for us and that follows hard after you. We pray this in your name. Amen. From the inside out, my soul cries out. Let me ask you, what 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 does your soul cry out? Does your soul cry out to know this one who loves you so much? Does is your soul cry out to be like him? To know it's good and right and true. And you just, your soul it cries out for transformation, to, for change, to become like him. Does your soul cry when you fail? And, and cause you to go to him for forgiveness and restoration back on, the, on, on track. If your soul cries out to know him, if your soul cries out to be like him, if your soul cries when you're not like him, then you're right where you need to be. You are on the path of transformation. But if your soul doesn't cry out for these things and you claim to be a follower of Jesus, something is wrong. Something is wrong. There's more work to do. And let's encourage you to pursue him, that he would change that heart. And then there's the warning. And, and for some here, this may be the warning that you need today, that if you claim to be a follower of Christ, but you're living in blatant disobedience. There's reason to question whether you're a follower of Jesus at all. There's a serious warning. Do not be deceived that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom. And we don't want anyone here to be in that spot where they stand before Jesus and say, Lord, and he says, depart from me. Because I don't know you. You didn't do the will of my Father. And so may we as a church, may we as a church that runs hard after him, trusting him to lead us, to guide us, to transform us, and that we're following him every step of the way and responding to his leadership as he shows us truth that we say, yes, Lord, and we allow it to transform us. Amen? Amen. Amen. May the Lord be with you this week. And may he sanctify you body, soul, and spirit, through and through, that you may be blameless at the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you, and faithful is the one who will do it. God bless you. See you next weekend. Well, that's going to do it for this week's message. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have putting it together. Please visit us at rockypeak.org where you can download more messages or have your questions answered. Remember, you can subscribe to our weekly podcast for free by searching for The Church at Rocky Peak from within the music store in your iTunes software. For Lead Pastor Mike Yearly and everybody up here at The Peak, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.